Welcome to this edition of the Not So Common Podcast. I'm Pat Contry, and today my guest is Richard Masucci from Review Tech USA on YouTube. Now, Rich has been on YouTube for a long while, November 2008. So, wow, that's nearly nine years. He's a veteran of the game, so to speak. Welcome, Rich. It's nice to talk to you again. I haven't spoken to you since that New Jersey game convention in September when I met you. Yeah, that was. It's been a while. How you been? Uh, I've been I've been very very busy with stuff. Um, not to get into all my projects right away, but I'm starting production on the follow up book uh, for the Super Nintendo Library. Holy uh, crap! You're starting that, or God bless you, man. Well, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm being a little bit smarter. Where I'm going to be um, bringing in more authors to do more of the actual writing work because my knowledge on the Super Nintendo Library isn't as sharp as the NES, and plus, it would probably kill me again to do 450 reviews on another book. It's just, it was something that at the time, I think I, looking back, I don't know how I did it. Uh, it was just, but it was a necessity just to do it and get it done, but I don't have the energy to do that again. I just don't. That book, uh, so. yeah, that book was like a tale. Of, I, I reviewed that book on Twitch and that, that book was like a tale of Thank two you. cities. It was insane. That book was phenomenal. Well, well tale of two cities. So it was, it looked good, but it was actually bad to read. You mean, or no? <laughs> or I mean, was, oh, the, thi- the, the, the thickness, thickness of a tale. Of it. No, oh, okay. <laughs> no, yeah, book. Yeah, your, your book that goes over every single NES game, Pat. It was terrible. It was horrible. <laughs> no, that was, was there any, anything that you surprised you when you when you looked through it? Like, was there games you didn't there realize? Was, I got to look existed? back in the video. There were some games where I thought you were going to like them and you didn't, and there were some games oh. where you, you you liked them and I didn't, but. That's subjective, well, so you can't hold anything. Well, I I gotta look it? at the book and I have it like where the hell do I have right, it? Actually, well, let's, let's, yes. we're not we're not be plugging my book already too soon. But uh, tell me, Rich, you started on YouTube a little bit after I did. Back, I would say in YouTube, still the tail end of YouTube 1.0. You yeah. want to say, and um, you have nearly six hundred thousand subscribers. So obviously, you're a veteran of the game. You've seen it and d- done a lot. Just, I guess, describe how you started off and why you started posting on YouTube originally. Um, I was bored and I knew I was going to get laid off. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's really That's, that simple. I worked for. I, I've talked about this in a couple of videos. I worked at IBM, and there was you, you. You've worked in kind of a similar environment, but like you, you when the, in a corporate environment, when a rumor persists, there's probably truth to it. And people kept on saying, Rich, our whole division is probably going to get laid off. So I was like, you know, I just broke up with my ex at the time, which was a good thing. But I just broke up with her. So I had all this. I had an apartment to myself. I had all this time in the world. I'm like, all right, I'm going to just start uploading stupid reviews for the hell of it. And what did you What did you do specifically at IBM, if you can say? Yeah, I could say. Um, I actually started off as IT. Um I actually used to do IT for IBM at a, at a Gap facility that just caught fire recently in Fishkill, uh, New York. And uh, then they moved me over to doing mainframe diagnostics where they used to have these big silver uh, mainframes that you used to have to test the processors and see what was wrong with them. And then I was laid off. That was that simple. <laughs> they brought us along. One of those, you call it to the conference room, they, they sequester you from the other employees that are not going to get fired, and all right, you 30, you're done. Is that basically what happened? It was. Because I've, I've been around my company for about two or three of those. I never was a part of them, but it was always like, oh, yeah, the other office, they laid off like 30 people today. And it's like, oh, that's cool. It was, <laughs> you know? it was so weird because we, we, had off, we had a Christmas break, an unpaid Christmas break, by the way. That was beautiful. Nothing like not working for seven days straight and not being paid for it. And then we came back, 
And literally, the day we came back, we they're like, oh, come meet us in the office. It wasn't even at the building that we worked in, so you already knew something was up. And they're like, yep, yeah, you know, unfortunately, your division's being laid off. Uh, you'll collect unemployment. And I found I had pneumonia that day, too, because I almost passed out because I couldn't breathe. So it was a good day. Did you, get, did you get a pension or a little severance or just Just unemployment, unemployment no. Just unemployment. Yep. Oh, wow. Yeah. So so is, is that what you studied in college? Was it computer science? No, I actually uh, did uh, communications. I did theater. Uh, I just kind of oh. tripped into doing the computer stuff, which is kind of ironic because they all kind of mix together now with what I do, if you think about it. So you you had a, a flair for the theatric in college. Did you actually do any stage plays or yeah, anything of that nature? Yeah, I did a bunch of them when I was in college. Um, what's up? Like, give me an example. What did you Shakespeare? Did you do just smaller one act plays? What did you do? I did. No, I did full plays. Um, I did a bunch of Shakespeare. Uh, I'm, there was a play I did called Fifth of July. I also did some like short film. Nothing you would know. It was mostly student project stuff. Wow. Uh, what was your favorite Shakespeare work? My favorite Shakespeare work? Um, <laughs> well, sure. YouTubers aren't used to talking about Shakespeare, probably. It's not really a, a topic that comes God, up. God, i got to wipe the cobwebs off my brain. I, I, I guess Tempest? Be... Midsummer's Night Dream? More co- comedic stuff? I did or... Midsummer's Night Dream. I was actually in that play. Um, oh, wow. Yes, I was in Midsummer Night's Dream. And what was the other one that I was in? And I cannot think of it right now. God Henry the Eighth? No, you're going back like 20 years on me, Pat. I'm old as shit. No, 15 years. I'm sorry. 15. I'm not How, how old? So you're, we're about the same I'm 35. age range. Yeah, I'm 35. We're, we're, we're in the same age uh, age range then. Interesting. So we come from a not similar background, but I think a similar life experience where you go to college. Um, this is before YouTube even exists. You, you get trained or, or learn something totally unrelated to – well, you were somewhat related if you were into theater – um, and then I actually started computer science in college and then ended up switching because I was failing it. Um, <laughs> we, then, we, then we come out, we do our quote-unquote real jobs, real-life jobs. It sucks the life out of us. Then we end up sliding into entertainment via online media and YouTube. So it's interesting because I wanted to get to that conversation a little bit later, but we can talk about it now about I think there is definitely a different philosophy um, or at least I think a division between the, I guess, old guard YouTubers or prior generation, especially those in their 30s versus I think the newer uh, YouTubers coming up. And for the most part, the newer YouTubers are the, the ones that are, are the face of YouTube. You know, you, the, the PewDiePie's, the Markiplier's, the Casey Neistat's, the, the ones that are more on the younger side overall, uh, Jacksepticeye. And do you see that philosophy being different in how not just uh, how YouTube is used, but I guess in how the personalities are? Yes, and it's a tough thing to answer because you, I do, but at the same time, I, I see similarities. Um, there's definitely different tastes uh, with the younger YouTubers, and, and I guess you could say the younger audience than our age. Um, and I think that maybe might be... I, I, I'm not a conflict because I have no issue with any of the YouTubers, but I, I think it's, um, I guess you could say it's different taste than our taste. And maybe that's where they, they kind of strike a chord with a larger audience. Cause let's face it, more, more people are watch YouTube are younger than we are than our age, you know? 
And that's why I think you see the guys that are like in their early 20s or even mid 20s getting the bigger viewer bases because, you know, that's the that's the general demographic of YouTube. So in terms of their content, what do you see that they're hitting upon that's different? Even let's just say a 25 year old YouTuber versus a 35 year old YouTuber. What is the what is the biggest difference you've seen in terms of how their content uh, is different in general? It, the, I guess you could say the comedy. I mean, not that my comedy is uber mature. I talk about nipples and cucumbers almost on a daily basis. But <laughs> so I, you can't say that I, I, you know, I have a mature, refined sense of humor. It's there's a different energy. Like I've watched maybe two of Jack Septic's videos. Not that I have any issue with him. It's just you know I, that's all I've seen of him. And there's like that very. You almost see it in a lot of like the Minecraft YouTubers that that, that super energy that I just don't have. You know what it's, I mean. And the performance, the performance art aspect of yes. it maybe is at a different level. Yes, exactly. Yeah, that pretty much nailed what took me. You just said it in four words. What took me like three <laughs> minutes. But yeah, it, it's like a different. Yeah, they have a different delivery, which I think caters to the younger audience. That's why they get that bigger audience, you know. But I got to say, with PewDiePie, it's interesting is that he's smart. I mean, he got in trouble with what he did, and you know, and that's a whole different thing. But. We can talk about that later. We can yeah, we can talk about that later. He his um his content has changed, and he realized he's getting older, and he realizes the audience that may have been supporting him when he started they may be gone. And I think that's the reason why PewDiePie got so big because I think he knew when to jump off one ship and go on to another. So he, you think PewDiePie was in that more performance art yes style until let's say a couple years ago when he tried to quote, go quote unquote more mature and edgy. And it shifted more to like, um, I don't know, something more like an H3H3 production where it's more like either commentary or quote unquote in his words, satire, mm-hmm. or he's trying to say something a little bit larger than yelling and and being fakely, you know, fake, fake scared at computer games or something of that nature. Yeah, he, he even makes, he says he even makes himself cringe. Like he looks at his older videos and it's like, yeah, I wasn't really scared. That was terrible. Like he's like, <laughs> that, but that, that's interesting though, what you just hit upon. Because yeah. if you have a YouTuber, the biggest YouTuber, uh, based on admitting that what he was doing was persona versus being himself. But it's an act, obviously, and that's how you get your views. But maybe that's the divide. Not that saying people like Markiplier and Jacksepticeye are not being authentic to some aspect, but they are performing as a character, first and foremost, when they are playing their games or speaking to their audience. And So maybe that's the difference on some uh, aspect. Because an older YouTuber, like someone like James Rolfe, you could tell clearly because it's it was a performance in, in short films, ABGN. He's playing a character. He's not coming out and saying, "Hey guys, uh, the nerd here today. I'm talking about this and I'm playing a game." You can tell it's a it's a finished product where he's a character inside of it. And not that that's died out entirely, but I think that's also part of the division um, where. I've seen where the, it used to be the most popular YouTubers were the more finished products or the, or the most popular online media. Like a lot of the people on that guy with the glasses that blew up, like people like Doug Walker, were, were making these more short films that were more edited, highly edited, written, polished, took more time to produce. And now it's more like an interactive Disney show with, with hosts that come on and sort of you tag along with them for the ride. Um, and it's interesting because it, that's obviously been the shift. And not that the older YouTubers, I think, are, are left out in the cold, but like you said, that, that's not what the audience on YouTube is. The, the older you get, the more, I think, you skew towards, uh, quote-unquote, more refined entertainment and stuff on Netflix and Hulu and Amazon Prime. So 
I've sort of come to accept the fact that I will never be a YouTuber with like millions of subscribers. That's just not what I cater towards. That's not what my fan base is. So do you bother yourself to even think about those sort of notions or you just, you're just doing what you're doing. You're not caring about the trends or what's going on with YouTube. There's two sides to me with it. Um, one, if someone gets a huge amount of success on YouTube, I, I will always be the first to congratulate them. That's great. You know, we're very lucky to have the amount of success we have at any age. You know, there's people that come to me all the time who are either 15 or 45, and they ask me, and I'm sure you get the same question, Rich, how did you get the following? I don't know. I have no idea. I just, I, I, I got, I'm a jackass, and I got lucky, and I'm very grateful for it. <laughs> but the thing I can say, and I'm sure you've noticed this too, Pat, and I look at numbers purposely because, well, it's my business, and kind of I'm curious to see what trends are out there. But I would say save for PewDiePie and a couple others, because PewDiePie has had a pretty decent run. His run is still going now. Um, a lot of times when these guys blow up because they have a younger audience, that younger audience goes through phases like that. And one year, they'll be getting 3 million views a video, and then the next year, they could barely muster 50,000. Because that audience, and I even see it with like my fiance's daughters, that they, they, they're totally into a YouTuber. Oh my God, he or she, that I, I watch him every day, and like a month later, it's like, yeah, I'm done. So that audience, that, that younger audience that watches a lot of those bigger YouTubers, if you notice a lot of those bigger YouTubers, there's one I'm thinking of now, Leafy is here, for example, they could post literally anything. It would got 10 million views and maybe even six months later, they're losing subscribers like crazy. And that same kind of video won't even get like a hundred thousand views. So it's why, really- why do you think you think it, you think it's just a sort of a, a more fickle younger audience yes. that that are just trending towards this is popular. Now I know other people like it. So I have to watch it too. Yes. It's like a, it's like a pop group, like a pop singing group, like, I hate to say like NSYNC or Backstreet Boys. It's like it bursts onto the scene. You get tired of it within a year, and you're like, okay, what's next? Yes. What's the next pop trend? That's interesting. See, I, I I always hear about Leafy and what's going on with him, and then you hear about the drama between him and other YouTubers. Um, and then I wonder if that sort of brings part of the downfall. I'm sure that helped too. I'm sure that helped too. But there's even other YouTubers I've noticed that didn't get involved in like a a spat like he did. And there was a time where they could literally upload anything and like we get literally, honestly, two or three million views, I wish. And then now they're getting 400,000 views and it's going down. It's just, it's with that younger audience, they're just, you're the flavor of the moment. And once they're done with you, they move on really quick. Whereas one thing I've noticed with our audience, because you have a similar audience that I do, is they're older. So to get them to click that subscribe button they're much more reluctant to do it because they're not just following a trend. They want to know that they like your shit. So we may not get the same amount of subs, but that click means a lot more on the sub button when we do get one, generally. I mean, I'm sure there's... I know I have younger followers too, but the older ones are like, yeah, I actually like your content. I will come back to it. Whereas like, okay, my friends in high school like it, so I'm just going to click for the hell of it. So it's the slow burn versus, you know, just the, the fireworks that go yeah. off brighter and then it just, they're gone in a moment. I still wish I could just put up anything at 400,000 views. That'd be nice. <laughs> I wish, you know, like the thing, that's the thing with Leafy because like I, like I said, I look at numbers of all, all the people because just I'm curious to see them. He still gets 14 million views a month, man. I wish I was getting 14 million yeah. my dying, to- I wish my dying channel was getting 14 million views yeah. a month. He can die out and still do more than me yeah. ever if I'm around he, in 20 years. So he, he, he could die out and still buy a Ferrari with cash. So what was I think, I, I think my highest ever was like $4 million in a month. Um, and that was back when um, I was doing way more 
podcast segments per podcast. Or it was like 20 to 25, which was insane. I'm not sure how me and Ian, Ian did that. So it was a lot more videos. Like I, I, I've seen people try to say, oh, Pat, your channel's dying. When it's just the number of videos I put out has just gone down. It's The number of views per video is pretty much the same. It's just I'm putting out less content because I just can't physically do it. And something uh, with – I'm sorry to mean to cut you off. And something no, with okay. YouTube has changed too. I mean my, my channel's kind of been on, a, 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 on an incline again. But there was a time, like, it was almost like a switch got flipped. Like, one day my numbers were doing this and this, and all of a sudden it was like, boom. And I think a lot of other people noticed it, too. And we still haven't gotten a straight answer from YouTube as to what was up with that. Well, I I wonder if there is a, I don't want to say an ageism part of, of YouTube, but does it make sense for YouTube to promote videos where they know it's a smaller audience overall? So if we have an older audience, which is much less of what the YouTube audience is overall, does it make sense for Google to push our videos? Because they know that even if they pushed our videos as much as a 20-year-old YouTuber, our audience would not grow at the same rate as theirs no matter what. Maybe that's part of it. Maybe it's just a purely business decision. It doesn't make it right. I'm just saying that's the you know the cold analytical part of me thinking that's what it could be. Oh, you, uh, yeah, YouTube's a business. They're there to make money <laughs> like any other corporation. We're we're, yeah. we're part of the corporate. We whether we realize it or not, because we're at home, I'm um, drinking coffee and have beards. We're still part <laughs> of the corporate world, whether we want to be or not. Uh, sure, it, it's a to it's a, a different part of world. Yes. We control our own destiny, which is what why I like it, um, because even if I'm working 55 hours a week now or 50 hours, some weeks yes, some weeks it's probably 40 or normal. I'm at least doing what I want to do. I can stop this at any time. I could change direction at any time. I don't have to be at the at the at the whims of, of, of you know stock prices of IBM or, or or an acquisition that puts me out of work you know or a merger that says oh yeah we're, we're going to do synergy and it's like every merger in the history of the world results in job losses I always just like to hear that. that's an aside I don't want to talk about the awful corporate life but I, I think that YouTube is interesting just because we are also at, at the whims of again like what are the algorithms change and. Uh, who do they favor this month? But at the same time, it's a free platform for us. So whenever I see people come out and rightfully say there's issues with YouTube, this is bullshit, how much of a right do I personally have to complain about it, I wonder? This is a philosophical sort of debate I have with myself. I'm not paying a service, uh, you know, a fee to use this. Yes, they're taking part of my ad revenue. I was going to say they are uh, taking some of your money, a but, good amount of your money, not some, but a good amount. Sure, but they're not making money off of YouTube, uh, Google. They're still in. For last I heard, they're still not in the black on on the platform because they're letting anyone use it. So it's just think about how much money it takes for all that bandwidth and storage. So I'm like, how much can I really complain at the end of the day? I can complain, yes, but without it, you know, this is the only platform that survived. Rever died. Blip never turned a profit through multiple rounds of investments. Uh, corporate investment. So God blip. This is yeah. Well, blip. Well, I I was off of YouTube, not off YouTube, but I would post a blip for a lot while because remember back in the day when it was hard to get partnered. You know, I wasn't partnered officially, officially partnered and making money off of YouTube videos t- until like two thousand, late two thousand thirteen, I think. Twenty yeah, twenty eleven for me. I, it's funny how I kind of went. To, I was on blip because I was on that guy with the glasses. Um, that's when I did more reviews. I was on there. I, and I had no like, idea you're on there. Yeah, I had no idea. Oh, that's funny. I thought you knew. Yeah, I was on there for a while. They had like some kind of contest or like whatever it was. Like I had to like almost audition 
and I sent them a Halo review, and I ended up getting on. Um, I was on that guy with the glasses, and then they moved the more gaming oriented content over to Blistered Thumbs for a while. That I remember, sure. So yeah, yeah. Uh, my my experience, not to not to say too much behind the scenes. I remember I, I applied to that guy with the glasses pretty early, back when they were probably near their zenith, you know, two thousand ten. And remember being told uh, first they ignored me, but then they said, "Yeah, your stuff isn't good enough uh, for us." And that was Did it. They really? It was fairly ins- not overly insulting. Um, it wasn't from Doug himself. Doug doesn't really run the business. It was from one of the other two people that do. I don't take it super personally, but I just look at it as if you look back at that, out of all those that guy with the glasses people out of the 50 or 60, only about three or four have, have remained successful while the rest have are basically been forgotten for the most part. So I'm like, all right, that was their decision at the time. What am I going to do about it? You know, which is like funny Hollywood rejection. Cause that's funny. Cause I, I like, I, I mean, I thought, and I'm just saying this objectively, no brown nosing at all. Like I thought your content back then was better than mine. You know what oh, I'm well. saying? And, and, and again, I'm not, that's not me trying to, you know, I'm just saying like, I compare it and mine was not that great. Well, I'm, I'm not telling tales out of school, but uh, that, that's, that was a very clickish site. Um, I think I'm not sure if it, it, I haven't even paid attention to the site, but at the time you basically had to know people to get in, so to speak. So my, all my experience uh, with that at the time was just being told by, it was funny because I, even though I was rejected, when I would go to conventions, people like Linkara knew my work. Mm-hmm. I was like, wow, Linkara is a big guy. And then uh, people like, uh, rest in peace, Justin Carmichael. Oh yeah. Well, I forgot about him. Wow. Um, knew my work. And whenever uh, uh, people like uh, Benzai, they would be like they, they would just they would just say they were shocked I wasn't on the site. And this isn't me trying to have an ego. This is just what I'm just saying what, what actually occurred. But that model changed. That sort of model of let's all band together uh, as a conglomerate. Whether it's that guy with the glasses, blistered thumbs, retroware TV, which I helped run for about two and a half years. That sort of focus uh, changed. Screw attack. It shifted to now. Let's go back to YouTube and do our own thing because that's where the major exposure is. And that happened around, I want to say, 2013, 14 for good. Where I don't see it going back to this, you know, normal boots. Like no one bothers with the website. They know the people that were on it, but the website doesn't get you know traffic. You know, because why? Why? Why have to get off of a, a YouTube platform to go to a website? You know, that's just a change I've seen in the industry. Well, yeah, that was before, like you said, YouTube was was more lenient with partnering, and, and that's why people would band together and go on. And Blip, too, actually was giving, you know, without obviously going into numbers, because we can't, uh, Blip was giving actually better ad revenue, which I heard in the end was part of the reason that they died, because they were giving uh, creators too much money. I can give, I can give numbers. Okay. I'm not under any NDA. Um, so there was one Christmas. I Blip died out, what was it, 2015? Um, I think it was around then, yeah. The, 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 I think the height was like December 2013. I'm not sure why. They might have had another round of investments. The CPMs were like $25 to $30 um, for that month. It was insane. So at the time, someone like me, I'm not making money on YouTube. And I'm trying to, you know, I still have my day job at the, no, no, let's see, I'm trying to remember. No, I still, um, I I quit my day job in 2012, but I'm still trying to build it up and make money. So I couldn't afford to put the stuff on YouTube if I wasn't making any money. I had to get income. So for me, which hurt hurt me in the long run because I could have built my audience better with YouTube. But yeah, the CPMs were insane. It was like, wow, if this is what it was on YouTube, we'd all be uh, a, a lot more wealthier. Which I always think is funny. People think you're wealthy just because they think your channel is quote unquote big. When it doesn't necessarily always translate into money. Uh, I just think no, that's it doesn't. Funny. No, it really, really it, doesn't. Uh, for a lot of factors. 
But uh, no, Blip Blip was just like just throwing dollar bills at everyone. Like they were just burning through money, and obviously they did. Um, and that was the height of it. I bet you they did that because they thought they were going to entice more creators to come on. But in the end, if oh, you, absolutely. You know. Remember, they got that deal with Ray William Johnson. Uh, had him come on. That was about. It was funny because that was like six months before he he had the the dispute with. Uh, well, I don't know if it was, it was Polaris or at least Maker at the time. He goes to Blip. Blip gets bought out then by Polaris anyway or Maker. So it, like he had, he came back to it. God, oh my God! Yeah, you're Remember right. That? The talk, yeah. Oh my God! Isn't that ironic? Yeah. Yeah. Then at that point, Blip was not long for this world. Especially then after Disney buys Maker, Disney's like this Blip is garbage. You know, um, at that, but even before that point, they were shutting down the smaller blip channels. Blip was accepting basically anyone, but then Blip basically cut all the people they knew weren't making money or getting views out. Uh, which is, I actually got an email from Ustream. Remember Ustream? Ustream is yeah. doing that now as well. Ustream basically said, "Yep, you're not using your channel anymore. Uh, you're not making us any money. So, based on our new agreement, you're out." Which that's fine. I haven't used Ustream in years since the NES marathon, like four years ago. But um, it's it's a tough model. Obviously, with uh, video platforms getting advertisers, bandwidth issues. Every time I see these new ones pop up, they don't last. YouTube's the only one that lasts. So, again, how much can I complain if they're the stable one and they're the one that's probably going to be around 30 years from now? You know, when all's said and done. I don't know. Uh, going back well, to that issue. I, I think you're, you're right, but I will say this. If people don't complain, issues that need to be addressed may never be addressed. Absolutely. So, so I absolutely see that. And that's where absolutely. I'm like, yeah, you know, it is a thing. Like, imagine us having to have the storage at our house for all the videos that we have. We would, <laughs> we would be bankrupt. Which, yeah, which that, you know, in the end, yes, I do appreciate that. And they aren't charging us to use their storage. But at the same time, you know, if there's YouTube's doing something that's ridiculous or dumb that should be addressed... I think it should be called out. You know, I'm not, I'm not saying, like, you know, be demanding and have, you know, complain about every single aspect, but at the same time, there, if there is issues, they should be, you know, I guess you could say held their feet to the fire for them if it's something that's ridiculous. Absolutely. I'm not, I'm not being a corporate just saying we should, yeah. we should not question it. What, what I'm saying is I, I think it has to be fair um, and it has to be directed smart, smartly. It has to be, like, focused. It can't just be, well, fuck YouTube fuck them they're doing this and it's like that's not helping anyone and it's like no. well if it didn't exist no one would know who you are I'm not saying you personally but like the you person in general yeah i know what you mean yeah that's it, all i'm saying it, so you it, mean it, you mean don't be like dsp gaming then where he tells fuck youtube like on a weekly basis i'm not you know what it's funny i always hear about dsp gaming here and there and other youtubers saying i hate well i'm just gonna go say other youtubers said this guy is, is, is cancer and terrible i'm not gonna say who's told me that but i'm not really familiar with the guy to be honest i'm not overly familiar with his content, it's he, not. He, uh, there was a time, and I'm not going to go off on a Phil tangent, that he why, was... Why, 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 why you explain, I'm going to put on my beard butter that okay. my girlfriend gave me. <laughs> beard butter, man. Maybe I, I actually probably should use that shit, too, because that's when my girlfriend complains that, that, that my beard is yeah, like why not? Uh, sandpaper. <laughs> but, um, Phil, there was a time that he was like the Let's Player of YouTube, where like his videos were doing insane amounts of views. And he just made a bunch of dumb choices. Yeah, we're going off on a fill tangent, but anyway, he did made it. He made a bunch of dumb choices, and he fed too much into the trolls, even more than my stupid ass has in the past. <laughs> to the point where, like, he's just become a meme. His videos that get made, the the, the videos that are made to make fun of him, get more views than his own videos. That usually doesn't happen. 
Like there's there's a thing with Phil that this is how you don't play, where people make compilations of his videos because he's notoriously a fairly bad video game player. Um, okay. Which you could say the same about me, but like he does it as a living. He's a let's player, so you kind of shouldn't be bad. So there's this, these videos. This is how you don't play, and they actually some of them get like fifty, sixty, a hundred thousand, even more views. His videos get like five hundred or six hundred views. So he's become what you're saying is he fed into the negativity too and became much, almost like a, a parody. Uh, versus what it used to be. And it, this brings back to a conversation I had with you in person. One of the things I, I asked you about, I don't know if you remember, I was like, Rich, I see sometimes you uh, addressing the negativity sometimes or too responding much. with videos directly. And th- that's what I remember saying. And you know, I was like, yeah, I kind of do it too much. I, I think there's a, always that line where you want to acknowledge your subscribers or people that are watching your videos without acknowledging that what they're saying is 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 has merit all the time because sometimes it doesn't and i think that's a hard pill for some people to swallow but i i, I want to get your perspective has there been a time where you put out a video and even almost immediately like wow why did i even bother addressing that or was what did what did that accomplish Oh, countless. There's even a video I still have up on another YouTuber, <laughs> which I think the guy has a dartboard in his house that he throws at my face every day with my face on it, I should say. Um, and he, yeah, he like despises me because the video got like 300,000 views that I addressed him on, which. But, so you addressed the fact that he had a dartboard? Is that how No, it, I'm just saying he probably does have one. Oh, but okay. He, um. Yeah, the video I made on him, I probably... I'm not going to delete it or anything at this point. You know, the milk is beyond spilt. It has like 300,000 views, like I said. Sure. But, yeah, as I get... Maybe I'm just becoming an old friggin' fart, too. Um, (laughs) It's not worth it anymore? You're getting too old? Yeah, it's just... Because what happens is is that, especially if it's a... Like, if if someone responds to you that's a larger YouTuber, and you respond back, whether it be angrily or just in a negative light... It just builds into a drama, and you you create enemies that you didn't have before because you know you know there's devout fans of a, virtually almost any YouTuber of any size out there, and, and and then you sure like I I just had to deal with an issue of a guy that was a stalker. You know what I'm saying? Like that just sure. just started to fade away like in the past few months. You know what I mean? So a stalker yeah. that was a fan of another YouTuber, or just in general, he just didn't like me. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> that, that's a, it's a long, painful. I, I probably should do another podcast with you later on on it because it was like it, it's just that, now. What, do you, was that a result of you responding to negativity? You think, or just it was just a random fluke thing? I, if you want to talk about it, no, I'll, I'll talk about it because that's one of the if for if, since we're talking about YouTube as a job, I guess you could say it's one of the biggest downsides is that you're 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 part you're dealing with the public. You're in the public eye. People, for some reason, think that's a pretentious thing to say, but you, if you're talking to hundreds of thousands of people, that's what you're doing, you know. And that's one of the shortcomings of it. What you know is that sometimes you deal with mentally unstable people that you have issues with. Um, no, it was a pain in the ass. He was actually, you know, and, and it wasn't. His thing was, you don't like that I'm a critic, and I'm like, no, if you're a critic, this guy I just said, who, who the other guy who made three hundred, I made a video that three hundred thousand views. He still makes videos on me, but he just is criticizing me. That's okay, 
you know what? You don't like me? Yeah, some of the stuff he says gets on my nerves, but... Uh, I, he probably, he's probably the same guy that tweeted at me in the past. To, yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm sure it was. It's that weird. Yeah, it sounds- it, it's him. You know, if you want to... I, I never flagged this one guy's videos, that the, the one that's normal, oh. that just, you know, I, I made the video on him that he hates me now for. But he's not... He doesn't do anything personal beyond the video. So, you know what? Have at it. This guy was like... Um, messaging my fiance's friends on Facebook, he was—he even tried to message like family members. Um, uh, my grandmother wow. okay. recently just passed away this past November, and he wrote something nasty on her her uh, where where her um, can't think of it right now. Her eulogy was it was on on a website. He posted something nasty under it as a response. The guy was insane. Yeah. Um. So I guess you know. That's one of the, and that's the thing is that with the internet, because you could just remember, I know who he is. I, that's why he's kind of backed away because I have everything on him now. Um, people were nice enough to get it to me proactively. But that's one of the things I think is the biggest drawback. I don't know what you've dealt with personally, but because. Um, I haven't dealt, and I'm sorry to hear that. That's terrible. Yeah. Obviously, that's why, yeah, Facebook, I always, you know. You you make sure that people you know keep theirs private for only friends can see. I try to make sure that I tell them, hey, listen, just in case you should have this, yeah. you know, locked down. That's what I do. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, for example, Ian, uh, Ian is I would say more open about mixing his public and personal life together. I am not. So he was always like, you know, I have my Facebook and all. I'm not a YouTuber, but so he he even got to the point pretty early where he had a, he he basically went off of Facebook because of that. Um, that's all the conversation about uh, how he treats, I, how he interacts with fans versus me, where I'm a little more guarded in terms of, you know, you might know me and I might mention stuff that's personal, but I'm not going to just open up my entire personal life to you because of the risks like you, like you uh, pointed out. There's, a, there's always a danger there because while 99% of people are okay with it, there's always a 1% that'll either try to abuse it or use it to their advantage or exploit it. Um, and that's just that's just the reality. That's I mean, I'm, Hollywood is the same thing, or any anyone. Music, music, there's always yeah, ninety nine percent of fans are okay, but there's that one percent that there's something wrong, you know, where there might be something, or even less one percent. You know what I mean, though. Um, so now I'm rambling. What was I going to say? But <laughs> no, it's definitely no. It's the downside, and the thing is that that one that less than one percent, because they're so diligent, it feels like it's an army of people sometimes. You know. Sure, but that's what I was going to say, is that, oh, that's what I was going to say. So, but in terms of, that's why overall responding to specific individuals, I try to steer clear of, because while the drama might give me um, bigger bigger and brighter views, I'm not talking like talking about something that happens with PewDiePie or Colin Moriarty or John Tron, which I'll probably talk about in the next podcast with Ian. I'm talking about people that have personally come after me or there's a there's a one youtuber in particular that, that's made it, he's a sick individual uh, and he's a fairly big youtuber that, that said a lot of stuff about me behind the scenes and tried to damage me um that i have not really overtly addressed because i figure there's no point yeah there's it's uh um, and, and he's a person that's already fermenting the trolls behind the scene to try to come after me and ian so why feed into that person individually it doesn't it doesn't it, it won't resolve anything um it's a waste of my energy and time, and obviously it won't change their behavior because that person is obviously already gone to an extent. So that's the way I look at it. And in general, the negativity, I just sort of be like – I always look at it as like the Yelp reviews or even online reviews is that the people that are most likely to respond are the people that are angrier Yes. Uh, in terms of – so if, if I'm a balanced individual and I don't have – 
a you know 18 hours a day to watch and comment on videos i probably won't comment even if i enjoy it uh, there's i mean how many youtube videos do i personally look think a percentage where i watch and enjoy it how many verses i comment on probably less than five percent if that that yeah, i'll actually take me, the time less yeah. so so think so think about the individual that not only is commenting on almost every video but then by and large is being extremely negative why should i bother with that sort of person that that's not a person that really supports me personally or is going to be watching out for me. Uh, they're not a person that's going to come out to a convention and probably say hi to me and be a nice person, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And, and, and that's really how I look at it. Like, who are the people I'm really doing my work for? And it's not that person that's going to take the time to come out to that Jersey convention and see us. I've almost, I can't think of negative interactions I've had with fans in person or followers in person, probably I can count on one hand the amount of negative interactions and me going to conventions for like six years. Well, because that's you know, generally because most of the people are good people. It's just yes. that for someone who's psychologically unstable, they're, they're just, they're, they're, I hate using this term because, again, I'm going to sound like someone else, but they're mentally ill. They're, they're just, they're, there's something wrong with them. They probably either should be seeking help or on some kind of medication. The, the internet's a perfect breeding ground for them to be anonymous and be as hateful and, and demented as they want to be, and I, that's one of the and that, that's real what we're trying to bring up here is one of the biggest downsides of doing YouTube is that you know when I've worked in retail before as well. So when, have I. When someone is a jackass, you know who that person is. Even the, and most of the time, mine is a couple exceptions, which I probably should make a video about because they're pretty entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> Most of the times, they may be confrontational, but usually it just ends like right then and there because there's that accountability because they're face to face with you. You know, some of the stuff that I'm not a violent person, I'm sure you're not, but some of the stuff that people say to me, they probably would be afraid that I or someone else would knock them the hell out if they said it to you in person. Mm-hmm. You know, but what, I don't, what are we I don't think it's. I don't, I don't think. I don't think it's even a total, total totally a physical threat. Not even physical. Uh, I think but, it's. I, it's. 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 They don't. They have never been um, held accountable in any form for what they've said. So even if they came up to me and convinced to say, hey, Pat, you know, even if they said something half as vile as some of the comments I've seen about me or Ian, they wouldn't they, – they're not expecting some sort of counter, even uh, something to put them in their place even verbally, yes. let alone physically. I think that's what it is. Like you said, it's a, it's a, it's a form of cowardice. Absolutely. And, then, um, and they don't want to be known as that. And even beyond, like, and I was going to say, not even the physical thing is, but also as well, you know, if you're known as that guy who's, you know, says the nasty things or girl that says those nasty things, you, so, you society will look at you differently and people don't want to be held accountable in that way either. Sure. So. Sure. Whereas online, it's like, wow, I could be the true piece of shit that I really am, and I could say horrible <laughs> things, and, you know, it keeps me from killing myself, so I'll, I'll make someone else feel miserable. Sure. You know what I mean? Or, it's a, or, or like on Randy on South Park, not Randy, uh, Kyle's father on South Park, uh, it, it's just sort of a, it's an outlet, it's a fun hobby they look at it as, it's just something I do for fun, which again, uh, you and I, we don't see that, because we actually have to... Uh, do work and, and run our quote unquote businesses to have time to be a, a shit poster as it's called or whatever. It's just not something that that clicks with us, I guess. But for some people, it does, you know. And I do real I do recognize there are those people that when I see some of the comments, and I try to read some. Of them, I don't have time to read all of them. Where I can see if they're being a little nasty, they're at least trying to be humorous versus the people that are out and right just being nasty. Headful. There's the yeah. That's the thing. You know? A shit poster to me is someone that's just a dumbass. I technically am a shit poster. Especially on Twitter, I write dumb. I write dumbass shit on Twitter all the time, 
But I've seen it. And, and, and then there's, <laughs> I'm sure you have. I write ridiculous stuff on Twitter. Then, which the shit poster I have no issue with, unless you get super duper spammy, then that's different. But like, then there's the troll. That's that hateful person that wishes like death on you. It's like if that's enjoyment oh, yeah. on your spare time, there's something seriously wrong with you or lacking in your life. If you want oh, sure. to wish death on somebody, there's something wrong. You know, but anyway, but that's what we're trying to say is, is that that's one of the biggest downsides is that you deal with anonymous psychos on the Internet. So do you do you um, do you police your comments that much? Like, do you, do you no. try to you know no. block the, the terrible, terrible ones? And you don't. I, okay. did, so I, I did for like a month, like back in like 2013 when I first because I didn't really start doing this full time um, until summer of 2013. OK. And then I was just like. No, I'm not. I would have to sit there and I would <laughs> uh, 23 hours a day police my comments. So, no, if you want to tell me that, you know, I'm a fat shit and, you know, I should shove a, I should shove a cucumber up my ass, then go ahead. You Do know? you think I, – I hate to say this, Rich. I think I brought this up to you a little bit when I saw you in person. Do you think now that's part of your brand in yes. terms of that's Whether part I of the want experience? Whether you or not, it's about the cucumbers. So yes. part, part of the appeal now of people watching your videos, I hate to say, isn't so much of what you're saying. It's now seeing the responses to, to your no, No, you're 110% right. There's, there's people, <laughs> I've seen them in the comment section, and it's not really – but it's – I just really don't give a shit. Yeah, even the nasty, vile comments, I'm like, all right, man, you just – if that makes you feel better, God bless. But, like, yes, there are people that have said that they look – like, I come to your videos – now, I don't – people said I think your videos suck. I come to your videos to look at the comments, which I'm like, hey, man, you're watching? <laughs> like, that's fine. If you think I suck and you just like to see the, the train wreck of the comment section, then, you know, have at it. Oh, man. So you can never get away with it like how PewDiePie did for a while and, and turning off your comments. That would really hurt you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm, also, I'm also not a, a pretty long-haired Swedish boy too, so that, but I'm sure that has something to do with it. <laughs> That's interesting because I never considered that. I was just I was always going to be like, all right, if I do a little bit of the work now, people realize then this is not how I could leave comments on a pat video. I can't be saying you should get the shit kicked out of you or I wish you get cancer and AIDS. That doesn't really happen anymore because they realize they're going to be gone. So maybe I, I maybe I've been hurting myself. Maybe I should have went the Review Tech USA route, let all the shit get posted and all the garbage, and that would bring more well, people. You know in. what I, I never noticed, thought about? You know that. what I noticed too, and, and your 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 path may have been right and mine may have been wrong. Is that it has not according to our not according to our views and followers? It hasn't. You've been on the right track. Well, because they, I, I've noticed though they, they've just faded. Yeah, I still get dumb like cucumber comments, but that's kind of my choice. I did that. I sat there and ate a cucumber and smacked it across my face in an unboxing video. People, oh, don't, okay. people don't forget things like that. Yes, that's where it started from. <laughs> um, but I, I have noticed that the the vi- like the vileness has decreased naturally by itself. Really? And, and that's why in the beginning, like, I policed it, and then I noticed it started to fade. I'm like, you know what? Because people just kind of just, like, get over it, minus some, like, the, the devout ones. But most They grew people, up and went to, went to college, you think? Or they're, or, <laughs> or or they're like, yeah, or they're like, yeah, I mean, how many times can I tell Cole Rich a fat fuck and tell him to kill himself? I'm just going to watch his videos, and, me, and that's it. So I've noticed that, like, maybe because I just don't address it at all and, quite frankly, don't give a shit, that it's kind of just slowly... I mean, it's still there. You go look at my videos. There's comment sections that are trained. Like, I just uploaded a video about the, the AMD computer I'm on right now and the fanboy war start. But that is what it is. That's YouTube, you know. 
Interesting. Mm-hmm. I, I, and your views have stayed the same, everything else, but the comics you're saying have gotten a little bit more civil. Yes, they've so they naturally... Made, made, so, maybe that, so maybe that isn't a part of your brand. And maybe those people were using Adblock anyway, so it doesn't matter. You know? I'm, <laughs> like, yeah, it, it, I, you always have the people, I'm proud to use Adblock. I'm like, okay. I always think it's funny because the dirty secret is that people using Adblock doesn't affect shit at this point because there's not nearly enough ads that go around on YouTube. Yeah. And YouTube could... YouTube can... Could put an end to that anytime they want to and make it where instead of watching a video, it'll just say a screen, turn off your ad block or else you can't watch the video. They can do that. I they think, have the power I to think do Hulu that. does that. I actually think, because I, I used to have ad block a while back. Um, and you would go to Hulu, they're like, yeah, you're not watching anything. <laughs> like it just it says, oh, for the free Hulu. You have ad yeah. block on. Ah, nope. You, yeah, which is they're right. They could do that. So I think that's when you know that I think YouTube is going to be sort of a taken over from tv when they get all those advertisers where they get all right now instead of every third video where you see an ad every single video you see an ad and then now they're going to be losing money if they don't place those ads that's when youtube will care but right now it's like well it doesn't matter right now the fill rate's not close to even being 50 percent. so go ahead use your ad block and think that you're you're beating the system you're beating the man when you're really not at least for youtube it doesn't really matter and doesn't you know? youtube have like deals with all the ad block companies where certain ads are considered acceptable and like so yeah it's not i remember reading articles like there was i think there's a different there's like a couple different ad blocks there's ad block plus and another one and i think it was ad block plus where they like worked with google worked with them and said like okay we accept these ads these ads aren't spammy and ad block plus lets those ads through so that's probably why youtube doesn't oh. give a shit either yeah well i didn't know that all, but all i know is that uh, again it's it, if, if they if it was affecting their bottom line they would have done something about it now because again it's not a company that's really making uh, Google money. So uh, until you're actually hurting them, then they'll respond. So maybe that, that might not be happening for like three, four, five years. It might, it might never happen. You know, I do see though getting to the point where advertising will mature more, where advertisers will like how it works with TV. Like if you buy a TV advertiser right now, it's not just well, I'm going to buy it and you can put the ads wherever you want for the channel. It's like no, I want it on the three to five, three o'clock to five o'clock on these specific shows. That's where I'm buying ads for. I'm, or I'm buying ads during Monday Night Raw in USA because that's the audience I want. We're not there yet where you can have advertisers, uh, and I don't think it's even set up. But eventually, it probably will be more even probably automated. We're like, okay, I want these set of 20 YouTubers. That's where I want my money to go, to them. Uh, where it gets to the point where, where it's more, more analog with TV. Right now, it's more of a shotgun effect where you, know, you, uh, you, buy, uh, you buy ads, maybe even... Uh, for a network itself, an MCN, but it's not tailored specifically, quote-unquote, to many YouTubers. However, I do hear, though, that there are YouTubers that get a, a decent amount of views, that their their fill rates and then CPMs are a lot lower because they have been sort of not blacklisted, but uh, there are certain YouTubers that advertisers have shied away from uh, in general. Well, I just heard that Nissan wanted to do that with PewDiePie with the whole thing that he had happen to him. Nissan's like, yeah, I don't want my ads on a PewDiePie video. Um, and again, and we'll get into that in terms of the pros and cons of YouTubers being in the spotlight for the probably wrong reasons at times. Uh, and that's more, I think, um, I didn't see both your videos about the PewDiePie situation. I came out from a different angle than you. Uh, I had your angle in the beginning, though. I had your angle sure. in the beginning. Um, I'll give my take on it. You give yours, and then we get... We get uh, oh, sure. 
I, I kind of know what your, your take about, about his, his videos being distorted in the context, but uh, go ahead first. Yeah, basically what it was is that I saw Wall Street Journals, um, and I what are they, who's someone else? Maybe a Polygon had an article. Not sure if it was them, but it was, I saw a couple, a few articles. Polygon ran one and a couple yeah, others. I, I, and before, it wasn't I, before ju- you talk about my video, I actually didn't see all the, the quote-unquote hit pieces about his work. When I recorded my video, uh, the biggest thing was just the Wall Street Journal story. Uh, that ran. That was mainly what I was talking about with my video, which I got a ton of hate for because I saw my video that, came yeah. out two or three years later. But anyway, go for, go for it. I is when I first. That's basically what I when, when I saw the articles. That was initially what I saw. I mean, I watch some of PewDiePie stuff, but not all of it. So when I saw what I was fed, I was like, "Oh shit, this is terrible." I don't really know how what the else the context could be. Then I saw the I saw H3H3 Productions video, and he showed more like behind with the cut, the edits that Wall Street Journal did, and it was it was a totally like it just shows how manipulation can make something seem totally different than it was. Like there was one video where he was talking about how everyone's like saying that he was racist or something like that and he was saying oh you know and it's not true he says it and then he puts on the, the hitler alpha like showing how people portray him it wasn't him just being like hmm yeah i'm, I'm totally i'm a neo-nazi i'm just gonna sit here in an ss outfit watching hitler videos he sure. was saying that people were looking at him like that and it's not true and he's like this is how people perceive me so i'm like oh man yeah that's Absolutely. totally different. oh no and i and i see that uh my perspective of it was why go to that extreme to make make very simple points that you can make otherwise. I looked at it as an example of a it was a laundry list of jokes he made all about a, a particular target. And if I want to get really technical, I didn't have time. Anti-Semitism is that racism to me? Not it's it, it's a it's somewhat different. And the fact that this guy made it his calling card. To be the butt of his jokes over this extended period of time was very telling to me, and I think he was playing with with fire. Obviously, he was since it's hurt him financially. But I think I think the biggest point I was trying to make, which people people wanted to focus on me saying, "Well, you didn't call out Polygon and other sites." Like, first of all, that's not my job to do that, uh, and second of all, my point wouldn't have changed. Was and plus Polygon I think, calls themselves that all the time because they, they, anyway. This yes, is a well, story. that's the yeah. thing. Uh, it's not my job to to hold sites I already think are bad accountable. Uh, it's a YouTuber story to me first and foremost. Uh, but the death to all Jews and the Hitler was right jokes showed just I thought and not I don't want to say insensitivity because my point and it was same with Ian was that he can do whatever joke he wants to, but the reality is that. He doesn't have the expertise to do those jokes, have them be clear, uh, have an actual point to make with those jokes. And plus, he is catering to an immature, by and large, and younger audience. Even though they might have grown up, they're still younger. So they might not even get the joke he's trying to make that he even himself admitted. They would I probably understand didn't the context, it. yeah. Yes. So it, to me, it was a little more complicated than these guys were going after him. And there's a fear between... Uh, "Quote unquote," the mainstream media and YouTube in this war, which I don't entirely agree with that point as well. Uh, which has Colin Moriarty spoke about that. Uh, well, I can talk about that separately. But my point that I probably didn't make as well is that uh, PewDiePie is a standard bearer for all of us, for better or for worse, and he has hurt all of us. Um, you can say, well, maybe they shouldn't have, have dropped his Google preferred ads. I'm surprised he ever had Google preferred ads to begin with because he's not family friendly and almost has never had been. 
But like you said, he had a major deal drop from him. Uh, he had a deal dropped with uh, the Scare PewDiePie season two. Uh, it's a dangerous place right now where these advertisers I'm trying to talk about to get on board are looking at these rogue personalities that they can't, I'm not saying they should be able to control what we do, but I think they're scared. I think of jumping oh, into bed. Oh, I've talked about this before. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and not just with Pim, there was that big Jontron, you know, the, the, the Star Wars videos from 2000 before episode eight, since seven came out. So that was 2015, right? So he had, what, several videos that came out throughout the year. My sources, Rich, tell me that that was behind the scenes a disaster in terms of him and Maker and Disney never seeing eye to eye and that there should have been uh, somewhere between two to three dozen videos that were supposed to come out throughout the entire year. And instead it was like six or so that came out because it it never happened. So they took a huge bath on that, Disney. We're talking the biggest entertainment empire on on planet Earth, arguably. Now looking at a a YouTuber deal where it's like, wow, this didn't go well for us. How likely will I go back to a YouTuber and do a deal now? How likely will I entrust this guy that has no PR firm? You know, he doesn't have a manager to make sure he doesn't spout off about, you know, know, going on some guy's stream on Twitch and talking about immigration. You see what I'm trying to get at? That this this is something that doesn't affect necessarily even PewDiePie as much because PewDiePie is set. He he doesn't have to work again a day in his life. I think he's worth like a quarter billion dollars, like $250 million or something like that. He, whatever he's worth, yeah. I mean, he, Forbes said he probably made 12 to $15 million last year. Maybe not a quarter million, but he's worth tens of millions at least. You know what I mean? So he can do whatever he wants and has any fear. How about the smaller YouTubers that are still working these deals and they're not maybe set yet? This could affect us long term. Not necessarily us as in me. I'm not going to get a Nissan deal. But what if there's a YouTuber... Uh, I don't know, someone like, I don't know, Andre Meadows, Black Nerd Comedy, someone who's the middle class of YouTubers. We're in the middle class. We're probably lower middle class, but we're definitely middle class, where we may not ever see those deals, or they're going to be shied away. Stuff like the Game Jam fiasco from a few years ago, right? That was a disaster. I remember hearing about that, yeah. So we have these big advertisers, Mountain Dew, Disney, slash Star Wars, Nissan, that are now pulling away from all of us. And I'm not saying that PewDiePie doesn't have the right to do whatever he wants. I don't think he has a care in the world, though, to curtail his own behavior and think about what he's doing. And, and maybe that's what I probably should have more said about it, that he's actually affecting all of us. That's something that Casey Neistat said. He came out and said, when you're on top, maybe you should think about being the ambassador. And I had issues with Casey Neistat and his let's call out YouTubers that aren't saying to vote for Hillary videos. I thought that was ill, you know, yeah, misguided. Yeah, and Ian, I agree. And Ian agreed, and Ian agreed with me. But I think Casey has a point to an extent where not saying you choose to be the ambassador, but once you get to a certain point, you, all eyes are on you and what you are doing. And PewDiePie had been in the news multiple times before uh, – you know, the, the Fiverr videos. So if he didn't expect that reaction to happen, he was either naive or, or, or stupid. It was one or the other, uh, you know. So it so be interesting to see going forward. Obviously, he doesn't care. I've seen him post other stuff uh, joking about anti-Semitic stuff. So now he's just thumbing his nose at everyone. I think that's where he's at, which, again, that's his right to do that. But I just think it was more careless versus – being outright, I never said the guy was a neo-Nazi or anti-Semitic. I just thought it was careless and hacked, to be honest. And that was my perspective about it. Well, the interesting that you hit, you nailed something on the head, is that 
yes, user-generated content and, and websites like YouTube and, and um, you know, on-demand video and streaming and, and going through the internet is the future. But I, advertisers realize they have to embrace it, but they hate it. Because guess how many people proof watch my work before I upload it? Nobody. There's like where you have a TV show, you have writers, you have a producer, you, you have the corporation like NBC behind it. There's so many different filters that content has to go to before it hits the screen. So advertisers and, and corporations, when they, they place ads, they feel more comfortable because they know that, you know, they can control the content more. Whereas, well, they know, they, know, they know the track record. So if I'm advertising on Walking Dead, I pretty much know the content of the Walking Dead. Yes, and you know, you know it's not going to stray. Whereas yeah. if I, once I'm done here, I'm like, hmm, you know what? I want to put up a video of me smacking my hairy bare ass like bongos. <laughs> Who's going to stop me from doing it? And, yeah. it? and if Nissan, which I'm sure they do have ads and stuff on my videos, is like, holy shit, I don't want that. Who can someone <laughs> stop him? There's no one to stop it. So that, that but, that's the thing yeah. where, where we're going to say. No, I was going to say, but they can get you beard butter for your ass hair. So they can, you got, <laughs> so it, it can, it, one bridge will be burnt to the lead to another one. But I think, though, that all kidding aside, is that that's the biggest that, – that, that's why we're still seeing where YouTube can't land those big fish, those big advertiser fish, because of the fact that they're like, you're, you're all of your – even your biggest content creators, there's no one controlling them. We have no sure. idea what they're going to up. Yeah, sure, they have a kind of content and a genre, but they could say whatever they want to, and there's no producer. There's no one to stop them. And I think the- that's why we haven't seen like like the typical legacy advertisements come to YouTube yet because they're just too afraid to do it because they can't control the content creators they post their ads on. The only thing we've seen is the directly sponsored videos, which is advertisement, yes. and they usually have to get approved to make sure that hey, you're actually reviewing the game. Or yeah, talking I've about done a couple product, of those obviously. too. Yeah, they, they 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 will be like, do not make that. I've had advertisements or like companies come to me and they, could you make a dedicated video? And they they'll want to check it. Like they'll they'll say leave it on list or even make it private, and they'll check it first before I upload it. Yeah, but that but that was interesting. Going back to the JonTron thing because that I think was part of the deal. Remember, there was a Walmart advertisement that was with it where it shows John Tron walking into a Walmart and they have like a Money and Falcon set up and they start playing. I think it was Battleground when it first came out. Uh, or what was it? Star Wars, yeah, the, the, the third person shooter, you know, uh, Battle, Battle, was it Battlefront or Battleground? Battle shows Bo- me how, how, Battleborn? Maybe? Shows you, I don't know. Shows you how much I am up to speed on uh, Star Wars stuff. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so it showed him playing the game with these YouTubers. Uh, but that was the end of 2015, and that was the last mainstream deal, big deal I've seen with a YouTuber. That was over a year ago. Unless I missed something where you saw like a major retailer or corporation say, reach out to a YouTuber and say, we want to work with you. That was it. And I hate to say it, I don't think John Tron's getting that deal again anytime soon. You know, that was... No, especially know, after all the other shit that happened, yeah. Yeah, so... You said it's you brought up a great point that they don't know what's going on with these individual personalities. Like you said, today you could be uh, calm, rich. Tomorrow you can go off the deep end, or or say, "Hey, I want to talk about you know, uh, uh, you know, why, why this terrible thing in history was actually good for everyone." You know, and they're gonna be like, "Whoa, wait a second. Here. Which I have want- talked, which I'm sure has is part of the reason why um, he's 
my my channel has you know maybe not has blown up the way it, it was even like well a couple of years ago is because um I you know I, I can be very controversial and it's not that I try to be it's just in my nature and I'm sure I know uh, there there's a sponsor that I won't name actually it's funny I was going to talk into a video about this today too um, that because I was anti Anita Sarkeesian they dropped me <laughs> they were like yeah we don't agree with your views you're done. So yeah, it's it's. But that's your brand, though. You are you yeah, are that, your brand is being is speaking from your mind. Someone like Jontron, his Jontron videos, he's he has writers, he has editors, he has someone shooting the videos for him. At that point, he's mostly an actor in his videos and maybe contributes to the writing and direction in the video. So. It, it to me, it's almost tantamount to a someone like Meryl Streep coming out and just bashing Trump, where that's not what you do for your day job. And now, you know, it's not the same effect though. But it, now we have to look at you in a different light, and the advertisers do as well. Um, that to me is is more of a stark contrast versus all right, Rich. We know you're going to talk about controversial stuff, and now you're talking about individual that we support. We're dropping our advertising, so. I think we're in this weird ground now where you have YouTubers that have a big, huge audience. They have a bigger audience than a lot of celebrities do day to day. Um, and they can reach that audience more quickly and say whatever they want unfiltered, which obviously is great for us. Uh, it's obviously great for us. But is that going to hurt us in terms of advertising in the future? I think overall, yes. It's not going to be as easy. Uh, you want to talk about – this is probably where we, we disagree someone as well – uh, this the mainstream media going after YouTubers and the quote unquote war. How do you, how do you see what's been going on with you know posting about first it was PewDiePie and then uh, Colin Moriarty and I think there's differences to all these stories. I'm not going to say they're the same. The reaction might be somewhat similar, but I think the situations are totally different between PewDiePie what he did obviously what Colin did with his with his small tweet and then what uh, John Tron did on on that disaster of a two hour stream. Well, I will, I will say PewDiePie. There's three things PewDiePie. There's more of a gray area um, than there is in Colin Moriarty. I think the the backlash he got over something so benign, like it hurts my head. Um, John Tron, I'm gonna watch that debate today in full because I don't trust articles because oh, articles, sure. you know, you know, human beings, no matter how objective they try to be, there's always that. Uh, there's always that where they put their emotions in it and they can't really help it. I probably could have worded that better, but you get what I'm saying. Um, but Colin Moriarty, uh, that was insane. He put up a tweet. I don't have it in the top of my head right now. Where like it was on a Woman's Day or something. Yeah, he said. Exactly. He said, "Ah, peace and quiet." Hashtag a day without a woman. That's what he did. And you know, he was just saying, "Look, you know, I say it to my fiance too. Like, you know, sometimes women like to talk a lot. That's all he was saying. There's no <laughs> women today. Ah, it's quiet. You know, my my because I know he has a girlfriend. My girlfriend's not constantly talking to me. That's that's all he was saying. Just like my my fiance goes to me when I put a pot after I wash it in the wrong place. Oh, men are such dumbasses. Like, is it like offensive? Am I like a crying in the corner? No, it's like a half joking. Oh, men are dumbasses kind of thing." I, I, I think I think what what the big difference between this and what PewDiePie did was again it was the scale, it yes. was the fact that it was such it, it wasn't a, a blatantly offensive thing to get a charge out of people. I thought it was just yeah, this is a corny joke that you would see on Married with Children. This is this is this is going to be something that you know um, it's like a hack joke, but it's a it's a safe sort of like take take my wife please sort of thing. So that's the way I looked at it, and Colin. 
was directing that most first and foremost to his followers on Twitter. So unless you were a follower of Colin, you probably weren't going to see it until people went after him for it. And at that point, when people were going after him, uh, that's when it blew up, and that's when you had more negativity about it. Even if you don't understand Colin Moriarty, okay, we're good. This is regarding his tweet, by the way. Depending on how Pat had to edit this, because my machine almost imploded. Um, is even if you don't understand Colin Moriarty, you didn't understand the context. The the, the tweet is still benign, whereas with PewDiePie. As, as much as, you know, the context was very important and I believe it made what he said not as offensive when you, st- when you understood what was behind it. Colin Moriarty's tweet, whether you took it at face value or knew, like, Colin and knew the, how his humor was, still wasn't offensive. Like, he, it was just like, it was almost as like, you could find, if you found it offensive, you must find it offensive when people don't agree with you about the weather. Like, you know, hey, it's supposed to rain today. Uh, no, I don't want it to rain. Why you got to say that? Like, it, it, there was nothing offensive about Colin's tweet, but yet it was turned into something about sexism, and there was really nothing there to it. And that's what kind of blew me away about it. And it, it got so blown out of proportion. I mean, you even had Greg Miller issue a formal statement about that tweet. That's what bothered me the most about all that. I'm a big fan of loyalty. Especially to friends. Without without loyalty, you have nothing. Like, there's no friendship. And I understand they were business partners. But to succumb so quickly, quickly to that to that crowd without thinking about it. And obviously, this wasn't the reason why Colin left. It was, by his own words and everyone else, it was sort of just the final, not straw, but this was the time. This is the time to make that division, Colin felt. Because if it wasn't going to be this, it was going to be something else, like Colin said, uh, in the future. But I was just sort of taken aback by that response and then Tim's response as well, where they, not saying they had to agree with what Colin said, but they had to stick up with the fact that he said it at all. Uh, especially when uh, I started watching their content the last couple of months here and there. And they don't, their, their show's not PC by any stretch of the imagination. Which, they, they say, yeah. they say, edge, they say edgy stuff. Greg Miller uh, admitted it in his letter. He's like, yeah, yeah, I've said some pretty edgy shit. So I'm like, how, this, is not, this isn't edgy at all. Why are you even? Oh, yeah. Uh, so that's what I mean. And so that's what bothered me the most about that situation where uh, Ian and I are not the same person, which is one of the reasons I like our podcast, because we will disagree about 30% of the time on stuff. Yes, you will. I've seen um, it. So Ian... Uh, has probably tweeted or said stuff on Twitter that that I haven't agreed with, and vice versa. But you'll never see one of us go after each other for that because what the hell does that say to everyone else? Then, where you, your friendship isn't a straw enough to get past a little tweet like like that's going to be the straw that sort of breaks that. So that's what bothered me um, about that, and I really felt for Colin, especially when he was on. He went back on the Rubin report with Dave Rubin. Uh, that when when Colin starts to cry, basically saying that you know you you treated me like you knew me for years, and people I've known forever didn't. That was very telling. And that's not to say that was about Greg and Tim specifically from Kind of Funny, but man, it could have been. It could have been sort of an indictment of them saying they should have stuck by me no matter what. Even if we were going to part ways, they should at least said, "Hey guys, get over it," because like I said in my analysis of it, that their choice was either. 
We we either if we condemn this, we're gonna piss off people that didn't think it should have been condemned and people that support Colin and lose money, or if we let it slide, people that are pissed off about that tweet will might potentially leave. But their calculation so far has been incorrect because they're there are two different Patreons, which is how they make their money. They don't get the views on YouTube to support them. No, they don't at um, all. Their two combined went from 55,000 in the past a week and a half down to 45,000 combined about. Oh, man. They've that's lost, a big chunk. That's, I mean, it, they've, they've lost roughly $10,000 a month or $120,000 a year. That's a them. lot of money for a small company to lose, yeah. Um, and Colin, I, I mean, I, I even say congratulations to him privately. Uh, by the way, Colin was was uh, you know he he privately even you know thanked me for for uh, for my video, which I thought was classy. He didn't have to do that. Who the hell am I to call? He said he said he thanked me too. That was really cool. Yeah, he did the same. Uh, um, but his uh, Colin was right. Uh, he got let's see what is he up to forty? Is it forty thousand? Oh, Colin's last stand. Excuse me. It's like forty thousand dollars, and he hasn't even really posted any content yet. That's great. No, That's great. so I am not. I'm, what, what I'm going to say is that I'm not saying that. You know, some people that responded and felt slighted, they have the right to feel that way. But is the response to that worth their effort versus what the actual offense was? Like, is it? No, it you wasn't. can say okay. So, so even if I said okay, that you on on a day to celebrate women. Maybe that's not the best time to do that joke, even though I can see the point of view of that. But is your response equal to what the actual offense, what you thought it was? Like, that's what it comes down to to me. And I was bothered by that. It's $39,043 a month right now. $39,000. Wow. That, no, no, I'm saying that's Collins. Collins is oh, 39000 Oh, I thought theirs was dropping. So the, okay, 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 okay. There's, no, theirs has dropped 10000 Collins gained almost forty. That's a $50,000 swing, basically. Which is insane. Um, so, like I said, I'm going to see where it goes. But what, other bother- what bothered me more, though, about the situation was all the other people from GameSpot. I saw Rooster Teeth and IGN tweet negatively at Colin about it. It was like their chance to gang up on him. That bothered me. I don't like when people gang up. I just don't like that. And over something so stupid. And these people, and these are people that knew him personally, too. Like these people that either knew him in the industry or, or worked with him personally, and that was just like, all right, now that's that's to me the the that's backstabbing, that's you know bullshit. Because it's so. all about what bothers me too is that uh, well yeah you curse on your show. I was about to ask you, it's all about the fucking dollar signs because everyone's like, oh my god, this demographic's bigger. So whose ass do I have to kiss? I always bring this up because it just I lost my shit in my video with it when Dead Rising Four came out, okay, or was about to come out, and. and Microsoft tweeted, yeah, to sound like a zombie. And people took it as they were saying the N-word. Microsoft, like, totally spread their butt cheeks and took it and, like, apologized and was, like, crying in a tweet. And there was nothing. It wasn't they were saying the N-word. They were just trying to sound like a zombie. You want to take the tweet down? I could kind of. I, I wouldn't have personally done it because I knew I wasn't being racist or offensive. But you want to take it down? You're a big corporation. I get that. But to apologize for something you did nothing wrong with, and that's what kind of. Like, I, I bet you that's what Greg Miller did. He's like, oh shit. Even if he didn't probably really find what Colin did offensive, he was like, mm-hmm. I need to make sure I see the same amount of dollar signs. So I'm going to pretend that what he did was terrible. Yeah. And that's why I it think was- other people disavowed him too because they want to be like, I want to be on the side where there's more people where in terms I get more revenue. So let me pretend to be, oh, my God, I'm so offended. It's a social justice revenge system. Um, 
where it's or, or social, excuse me, social media revenge. Where I think if like you actually saw Colin, would you have mustered the the courage, or would it really offend you that much? Where you saw Colin in person and be like, "This was bullshit," or the like the one guy he used to work with, I just saying, "Is this the person you want to be?" Or that really bothered me, or something like that. I like, saw that. Or would you say, or would you rather say something like, "Okay, dude, even I don't agree with it. You shouldn't have done that. I know you you personally, and I don't think you're a sexist." Like that to me would be the more reasonable response, even if you did find that to be somewhat offensive, which again, if you did, I'm not going to say your emotions are right or wrong, but you know, I just think that your response again, wasn't equal to the quote unquote offense. And that's what always, I think we should measure our responses by is that how much is this really bothering us versus us trying to make some other larger point and using this person as an example, like what they fortunately uh, did, which uh, tried to do with James last year and, and did do, for him basically saying, I don't want to see Ghostbusters, the new Ghostbusters, because I don't I think it looks good. And, and it's not connected to the to the other movies. And um, James was attacked by celebrities, Patton Oswalt, Samantha B. And I was in, in Norway at the time, and I was super upset because I know James is the most harmless person, nicest guy on the planet. And even people that I knew that were quote-unquote feminists and liberals, the reason ones were like, James had said absolutely nothing wrong. So, again, I don't think you should even lump groups together like that. I just think there's always extremists. Uh, and this goes for everything. This goes for left and right where if they see something where, oh, you censored this out of a game, you know, how dare you? I'm not going to buy it. To me, that's just as bad as people being upset about, oh, there's too much cleavage in it. It's a similar dangerous way of thinking where they're seeing their way of life being attacked in one way or the other where – I think you just have to then shut those out and just bring it back to like the reasonable middle where it's like, all right, let's take a step back and really see what's going on and and ignore the people that are yelling the loudest because a lot of times they're not the ones that are are reasonable because they're doing that, especially on social media. What scares me too is that because of this outrage culture that we have now, which I feel like maybe over the past like five-ish years has become even more aggressive, is you could say the smallest thing, whether even if it is offensive, and, and you know you just are human, you made a mistake, or it's something like what Colin did, which in my opinion, even if you don't know him, shouldn't have been offensive. It could he's actually seeing a positive thing happen from it, but you could destroy your whole career because of a tweet or because sure. of which there are some people that deserve it. You know, if you're sitting there blowing lines off a table completely naked. That probably isn't a smart thing that you did, but if, but if it's, you could say something harmless or do a tweet like Microsoft did for Dead Rising 4 and people will like consider you like public enemy number one and your livelihood could literally implode over something that's completely harmless because people took it out of context and that makes me so angry. Well, again, it's sort of the same mentality going back to people that are going to say, you know, you should get cancer and diabetes on a YouTube account. They want to be, these are people that, not always. I don't want to lump everyone together because some people may honestly think that I am doing the right thing and I'm standing up for, you know, what I think is blasphemy in my eyes. Some sort of, you know, like some crusade. Let's just say it's their crusade, which again, I, I, again, is is that the right way to, to go about it? But I think there's some people that just want to be heard because in their normal life, maybe they're they feel like they're silenced or they don't feel like their their opinion matters. And on social media, you you do a you do a, a tweet that gets traction. All of a sudden, you go from a nobody. And now 15 minutes later, your tweet it goes viral or whatever or gets all the retweets. Or it's your chance to jump in with this sort of cause of the moment or make yourself, make yourself maybe feel better even. Yeah, you make yourself no. feel better. Um, 
it makes yourself feel better jumping on this cause, rightly or wrongly, where all of a sudden it's like, all right, I showed him, I'm being righteous, I'm, I'm doing the cool thing. Uh, but I don't think they might realize how kind of productive that might be in the long run because you're, you, are, um, you are creating this division that may not need to exist and then people are being marginalized um, for the wrong reason. And then maybe the people in the middle, the reasonable middle, might see you overreacting. And again, this isn't just like a left left wing thing. It could be a right wing thing as well. Oh, absolutely. Where, where if you're going after the other side in an unreasonable fashion, the the the, the centrists or people in the middle would be like, "Wait a second, let's let's pump the brakes here a bit. Let's come back to reality and and maybe maybe save the anger for something that actually needs it or warrants it." And, and that's all I saw, and that's where I I, I stand <clears throat> on that argument. No, I'm and exactly I know with that you on that one. But, but I know there's people I'm friends with and people I follow on Twitter that um, they won't disavow me because of me even saying this. And I think I'm being reasonable on this. But I, I have the paranoia now that, well, the fact that I even uh, tweeted best of luck to Colin after he said he was starting his Patreon, they might see my tweet and say, well, fuck Pat. He's not on the side of what's right in this. And I hope we're not at that point. You know, it, it's not like it. my friends. It's not like, like Ian would say that. And I don't know Ian's thoughts entirely on the issue. But I know Ian wouldn't say "fuck you, Pat," because you did that. You know, because like, because Ian's not like that. But there, there would be some people that would do that. And w- with a situation with James that happened, um, there's probably people that stopped talking to James because of that, because they saw the heat he was getting. You know, and I feel bad for him because of that. Where it's just like they went after the person for again the wrong reason, and they used him at, to make a point about a fucking Sony movie. At the end of the day, you're helping Sony make money. It's like that's really the, that's your cause. Is to make sure that <laughs> yeah. Sony gets a bet. To make sure that this big corporation doesn't give a shit about you, doesn't give a sh- doesn't really give a shit about uh, women's rights. You're helping them make more money. I mean, that's really what it is. It, it's interesting because it's it's you you kind of touched on it before. You didn't touch on it. You actually nailed it on the head. Is that I really think whether it be feminists, whether it be republic people that are Republicans, whether they're Democrats, whether they consider themselves alt right. Some people, if you even really think the alt right exists, so. People want to be in a group because they want to feel that sense of belonging. And what scares me about that is that people put their logic aside because they want to make sure their views tie in with their 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 political party because they, they, they want to make sure they have that, that sense of belonging. So instead of thinking logically about a political topic or Colin's tweet, it's, oh, I, am, I consider myself a feminist. My friends are feminists, so I have to be insulted by it. And it's just... I don't know, man. And I think because of the internet, because everyone could be around the world can be together, quote unquote, we're starting to see like more of that like extremism from all groups, not just feminists or Republicans or Democrats or left, right or liberals. Everyone's getting like that because everyone feels so, I guess, you know, polarized. Yeah, polarized because they feel like they belong so much now. Well, it, it, well, it makes the social media makes the louder people be they're heard easier. And they're not necessarily the mainstream, though. They're just the people that are louder, and that goes. And that's a political issue as well. Uh, when you see like the Tea Party take over the Republicans, when you see identity politics and say the more extreme people on the left take over the Democratic Party, it shrinks uh, the moderates down because they're not. They don't usually yell as loudly because, to me, they're more reasonable and more likely to compromise. So groups like moderate Republicans, uh, blue dog Democrats. Uh, which are the more moderate Democrats, for example, they don't exist like they used to anymore. No, they don't. Their their bases are have gone away because they don't yell. So 
what happens then? This is getting to a political conversation. What happens is because those people still ties still into exist, video games. Though. It still ties into video games. We'll talk about that in a second. <laughs> but what happens then if they're forced out? Is there a third party that comes? Uh, is there another group that the reasonable party will just say of the of the majority of the people that are in the center? Do they then say, okay, we know we didn't, may not agree with everyone else in our group here, but at least we can talk to each other and converse and maybe come to some compromise or even agree to disagree even, which I, I, it always surprised me how people came and agree to disagree about certain things where it's like, well, if I'm right, fuck you. You, know, you, know, it, it, you don't have to agree with everyone on, on every issue, but you can at least be civil if you disagree with that. Because if, you, if you're not at least civil, you'll never be able to coexist. And I think that's where... Um, what we're going to see, I think, in the next four years, not to get too political, is that with Trump, you're going to see it get worse, and then it might rubber band back together. Like, this is going to be the final break. Because people are going to be like, the- oh, yeah, yeah, you, you were right. Trump is really a jackass. Okay. They'd like, they'll be like, oh, wait, yeah, okay. Then they kind of come back down because they'll get off the dopamine high of actually Trump getting elected. Yeah. yeah. I've, we're still in the, like I talked about in my first podcast, talking to my father about he's glad Trump was elected, uh, my father, because he hated Clinton. So did and I. It's like, that's a, well, that's the other issue is that I've still yet to find someone who voted for Hillary basically saying I voted because I like her versus I wasn't voting for Trump. That's a whole other conversation. It was it was an election of voting against the other person. I disliked her just as large. much as I disliked Trump, to be honest with you. Not to get keep it, yeah. political going, but I did. Yeah, I, I didn't vote for either. Uh, so what's going to happen, I think, is that people are going to be like, okay, well, I didn't vote for Clinton because I figured that was going to work. So I voted more with my heart. And voted for Trump because I thought he was going to change the system, cut it all down. And what happens when that doesn't occur? Because so far it's not occurring. No, he's, he's um, filling that swamp up, man. He's got more people the, from banks and Goldman Sachs and shit in, that, in his team than ever. What's the difference between if Hillary got elected and, and filled her, uh, you know, her staff with the, the same sort of people in, in corporations, like you said, big banks? What's the difference? You know, if, if jobs don't come back that Trump promised, what's the difference then? You know what I mean? Like, so we're going to get to that weird point where the people that voted for Obama, which they did, then voted for Trump, which they did, which is why Trump won in uh, Michigan, uh, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Ohio. What, what do they do then? Both sides failed them. What, what, what's their alternative? Are they finally going to go third party or then look elsewhere? I don't know. That's a question I hope gets answered in a positive way because we do need at least one other viable party. But what were you to say, Rich, talking about the games? I'm going on a tangent now. Well, no, because it, it ties to it because this extremism with politics and sexism and feminism has bled over to video games and to a point where I, I actually was just I, I made a video on it and I had Liana Kersner on and we were talking about it where, you know, you had Anita Sarkeesian complaining about The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. When on top of it, one, I had my uh, my other buddy, Monday and Matt, prove that she didn't play the game because she didn't understand the context of the story. So it wasn't about a damsel in distress. And why are we even discussing it about The Legend of Zelda, which is a franchise that's been around for over 30 years? So now you have developers and story writers for the games industry now feeling confined because they're like, oh shit, I have to make sure I offend absolutely nobody. So what the hell do I do? So it's like this extremism with politics and everything has now bled over to video games, and that fucking sucks. Well, I think I think the right response though is going to be when publishers just ignore it. So I don't see Nintendo bowing to that. No, like, no, we no, made our games. No. You say what you will about Nintendo making bad decisions when it comes to their artistic sort of vision. 
they're usually like, no, we're going to do what we want and just, you know, and be in our little cave making our games that you're going to come out. And, and you may not like the game overall, but at least you know it's going to work. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> and you're not going to have, you know, DLC out the ass, you know, on, you know I mean, stuff like that. Which is why, which is why I love that Nintendo still exists, and why I'm glad that to see the they're going to be around forever. Well. Yeah, the Switch is doing. No, I'm very, I'm happy for that just because it also didn't finally shut up people that are saying Nintendo should go third party. I don't know where you stood on that, but I got personally sick of people with no business experience saying Nintendo's doomed, and here's why. And it's like, dude, this company's been around for 125 years, and yes, there are been companies that that have been around for that long that have failed, but Nintendo has so much fucking money, and they, yes, the Wii U was a failure. But they've already course corrected with the Switch just by advertising, which they didn't do. And with the I, Wii did, U. And I, I was afraid and, they weren't going to do it. There was a time I was I was on the third party boat when it was like we were deep in the black hole of the Wii U, and it was like <laughs> the, black, the hole. black hole known as the Wii U. <laughs> yeah, I was sure. Like, uh, I was like, maybe we're getting off a tangent. Maybe they for their <laughs> it's a good tangent though. Maybe for their home console business, I know the 3DS is. Maybe they should think about it. But I'm glad they didn't, and I'm glad I was wrong because. The switch is fucking sexy, man. <laughs> like I, I, I'm still, I'm still looking for one. I, I and they've, like, like I said before, before, back my other point about Anita Sarkeesian, they've, they've shipped the perfect amount because it's March. You don't buy a new console in March usually. Um, from what I heard, some stores got like fifty, like Best Buys and Targets. That's a good amount for a March launch, and the scalpers aren't getting that much more than them, which shows me that the demand, while the demand is there, there's still enough that the scalpers haven't made as much as they did on the Wii. Like, the Wii was like, you know, $700 Well, they're getting when it decent replenishments. Like, I know Toys R Us just got a replenishment. I know games stopped. Did they really? Yeah, they did. I got I to call Toys R Us. Hey, dude, it's a good... Let me tell you something. This is coming from a guy who was, like, I remember... I don't know if you were... I did a video with my buddy Eric a while back. And I was just like... When I heard they were doing a hybrid system, I'm like, oh, no. Like, what do you do? Nintendo, you already tried something different with the Wii U. You struck gold with the Wii, but let's try to like do something where you could kind of compete more with the Joneses so you could get all the, you could have the awesome first party games and the third party games. But I, I think they still did it. Like you have this device. I don't know. Did you try the switch? Have you tried it? No, you I haven't tried it yet. Really? <laughs> minus one design flow, which I actually made a dedicated video about everything else about it. Like you take the system, you have the joy cons, you slide them on one, two, three, hold it as a portable system. It's actually really comfortable and light. You take those off, pop it back in the dock, comes right up on the screen, and you're playing the same game on your 60-inch or whatever size TV, and it's just seamless. And what blows me away is as a guy, and I'm going to get super techno-nerdy right now, I have, um, <laughs> I have it right behind me. I don't know if anyone's going to see it because I think you're just doing audio. This is the NVIDIA Shield tablet, and NVIDIA kind of did the same thing. But it was really clunky. Like you had to hook up a separate cable for HDMI. Then you had to, and then you know, like, you want to do a console mode or mirror mode, and it was really like slow and clunky. Nintendo's like, yeah, we'll work with you, Nvidia, but we can do it better. They found a way where you literally just do what Nvidia tried to do. You just pop it in the dock, and you have a home system and portable system that it just switches seamlessly in a second, and that just blows sure. me away. So they almost got there with the Wii U, but they had it in reverse. Now they fixed it. Where they're like, okay, now you can take the, you can't take a Wii U on a plane. You can take the Switch on a plane. Like they they were almost there with the Wii U. They 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 had to go through one failure to correct. I was like, they you know it's one of those weird things. Sometimes that sometimes happens in business where you 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 go through this decision. You're not there yet. You take a bath and then you hit it big, which they have. Getting back to the the thing about the Zelda Nina Sarkeesian, you always have to watch out for. And this is not just people on the left, and this is also people on the right. There's people that came to prominence 
you know, like being pro Gamergate, where there's the people that I've found that like to insist on these culture wars that are going on. And so the seeds are usually the ones that benefit the most from it. Yes. Uh, they're the ones that get, they're the ones that get the views. They're the ones that get the attention. They're the ones that make the most money off it. Whether it's YouTubers that'll constantly talk about, um, well, what do the liberals fuck up today? Or whether it's saying, you yeah. know, you know, this is being misogynistic. This is why these are usually people that have carved out a niche industry for themselves and it's great because they get to rail about what's going on without really providing any viable solutions to what they're talking about. So they, well, they can get away. Lolita's livelihood is finding a way to be offended. <laughs> Basically. The point is, if people can do that. You have a right to do that. But if you're not providing any, I mean, real solution, like what is the real solution to what you're That's what I'm getting for? at. She has to, like, even if it's not there. She has to, so it's almost dangerous the position that she's in because she has to manufacture being offended. So she has to find ways when it may not even be there, which in my opinion with Zelda it isn't, to find things that oh this is this is misogynistic, this is sexist when it's not. And what that does is it sets a dangerous precedent. Precedent, excuse me. She has a huge following. That's why a lot of people got on me because oh Rich, why are you talking about her again? I'm like even when I don't talk about her, her shit spreads like wildfire anyway. You know, so that's the thing that bothers me, too, is that that now because you have people making livings off of the like, whether it be being a feminist or whatever the case may be, they have to look for things to, well, basically be offended by and they'll make something they'll make something be there that isn't there. To be fair, though, Rich, you'll then have this ecosystem where people then profit off of responding to people like her, where they'll just rail against her and then it feeds in on itself. Um, so it, it's again, okay. it goes back to the re- reason where it's like, all right, at one at what point is someone going to say, either ignore this person or not talk about her and let her just fade wilt off. away? Be, be, because if if people didn't go after her, and of course you have the trolls and you have the bomb threats, if that never happened, someone like Anita Sarkeesian, you probably still wouldn't hear about to the extent that you would today. It would have never happened. True, you know, it wouldn't be still this thing, and, and that's what it comes back to. Where people that yell the loudest, that and that's where it comes back to. Uh, it doesn't matter what the issue is, uh, whether you're right or wrong. If if you yell louder, um, you're more likely to be heard, um, and then people are more likely to, to con- congregate to your cause, quote unquote. Whether or not there's going to be a viable response to it, or even whether or not that person, like like um, like uh, what, what's his name out of New York, uh, Reverend Al, you know, like Al something Sharpton, like that, who's Al just Al Sharpton. Someone like that who's just sowing seeds of discontent, and he's the one profiting off it without honestly providing solutions most of the time. You know, like a, a character like that. And again, they exist all over. Whether it's a, you know, a, a, you know, Baptist minister on TV, like a, you know, like taking money from people. You know, like uh, oh, this is why the world's in shambles, and we have you know someone that says, oh, gay marriage is evil, the evils of society. Send me your money. Here's the eight hundred number. We'll send you a little. A vial of holy water that costs you forty five dollars. It's like no, come on, we we have to get away from this, uh, from just people just dividing us, uh, like that, and just start. It's it's kumbaya, but yes, we have to reach out to each other. It's almost like there's going to be this constant tug of war because you know to try to keep a balance with everything. I, I I don't know really a better way I could word it. Where, you know, where is it just that we're spreading information and where is it that people are purposely spreading misinformation for the sake of profit yeah and it's tough to you know 
it's tough to to strike that balance. We're in a weird spot. Speaking of that, because we're we're now in a spot where you have the president talking about fake news all the time, and that these major news organizations are just not being truthful, while Trump's not being truthful himself on a lot of stuff, and basically saying, "Well, I saw it in the New York Times, and that's why I'm t- saying it's true." <laughs> or so Alex well, Jones from yeah, well, Infowars told yeah, me. Yeah. So wait a second. So you're saying this is fake news, certain outlets, but then this other major news outlet, you're saying that's where I got my news from. You know, which actually, so it's like, what's going on here? So we're in a dangerous time right now where if you, you, when you come out and say news is fake, then how do you believe what you are seeing? Or are people just going to just go to the news that they think is correct because it supports their side? And like I said, we're in a dangerous spot right now. That's where I think major news organizations have to be supported uh, because they're the ones at least that have the structure uh, to weed out what's bad versus just posting shit on Facebook that gets a ton of likes, which is, you know, categorically false information. Oh my a lot God, of times, it really you know? is. Yeah. So I rather err on the side of quote unquote, the old news that's existed because at least I know it used to be at some point, at least at some point, or at least tries to be truthful at some point. I rather lean towards the New York times, you know, even if they are left leaning overall, uh, versus some you know news outlet that's popped up the last two years that does blog posts and people take it as fact. You know what I mean? Like some like two people writing on a blog trying to pass it off as news. You know, like, I think we're. Right. I, I think what it is too is you have to. I mean, there are some alternative news sources that I trust. I won't name them here because I don't want you always get attacked no matter what you name. But you got also got to do your own research. You know, I know no one. It, it, it's so funny how many people will post those Facebook articles that are fake, and then and then they'll. And then they're like, I don't have time. I'm like, but don't. That's not real news. I can prove to you that's false. I don't have time to look into this shit. But yet they'll play Candy Crush for seven hours a day. You know what I mean? It's like you don't have. To- no, I've had, I've had people close to me send me links. Maybe not Facebook. They send me links that, well, you see what this person did or this person or what the Pope did, and it would take me like a minute to say, wait a second, it's not true. This, it's not, it's not actually true. And they're like, oh, okay. And it, but that's the danger of it. Well, we've lost reason. In terms of uh, researching, uh, doing your due diligence, and this might be a whole larger conversation of, of generational divide. Where I was the last generation, where I was required not just to use the internet for research, at a library, journals, getting real books and sources, and that's how we sort of learned about you know about the world and how we how we supported ourselves in terms of making points. We didn't just see some sort of weird graph. Oh, uh, it was a graph picture. Uh, so it must be true. It's like, what the hell? Where did that graph come from? Is that an actual study? You know, is it is it taking things out of context there? That's just that's just where we're at. Though. Which there could be, which which there and there it has been proven that which there could be fal- falsehoods and accuracies in those texts too. But the problem is now is that information, but due to the internet, spread spreads so quick that when it's misinformation. It's just like wildfire that it spreads, and people believe it, and it, and it gets to people's ears and eyes so much quicker than it even did back in the early 2000s. So that's the thing that's dangerous is that I could post a fake article and make it seem believable on Facebook. It could go viral, and then millions of people are believing something that's total misinformation that could slander or ruin someone's life or, or, or cause a conflict or you know a riot to happen, you know, and... Sure, I've I've seen I've seen stuff posted where even it was like images made to look like it was like a, a, a CNN 
you know, headline. Yes, like it was yes, the same yes. sort of style, same sort of font, same sort of layout. I'm like, ooh, that's really, really fucking dangerous if people don't know better. Yeah. They think that a major news organization reported something or just some asshole in Photoshop making something up. You know, but but that's where we're at. And I don't think there's an easy fix. No, I don't either. While social social media, while it's good for a lot of stuff, there's you know, it's, it's the same thing, good and bad. You can get good information out there. Like you said, you also can get bad information out there. And it is what it is. We have to learn to live with it. I'm not saying we should censor it. I think people have to be smarter. We just have to educate people. That's the thing. Yeah, and, take yeah, we'll your, I'll end it with this. Just take five minutes away from whatever fucking TV show you're watching or game you're playing and look into the thing that you're reading. It takes a Google search, and you could find out probably within a couple minutes if it's bullshit or not. In most cases, back to back to games while recording yeah. this. Splatoon two beta goes live today. Oh shit! There you go. <laughs> I tried to get it. I was because I, I got it on my Switch, and I, I'm like, oh, I got the beta. I bet it's live now. And it, they're like, yeah, it's not ready yet. I'm like, oh, okay, so good. I could try that today. It says it starts today, and it preloads available right now. I already so have it's a good spot where we can. Oh, you have it loaded yeah, up. Well, there you go. I still, I still haven't played it. I remember uh, Ian's uh, wife was trying to get me to play it when when the first one came out, but I was working on the book so much and doing other stuff. I didn't have time to play games for like, per, you know, personal enjoyment where I could. I was, oh, I could sit down and play Splatoon for like a few hours. Didn't have the chance, but I'll probably check out Splatoon two on the Switch uh, once I find a Switch. You said Toys R Us are going to be back in stock. Toys R Us. Try Toys R Us's and try GameStops. Yeah. Well, game the GameStop guide yesterday when I went said he, it wasn't the circle of life lying outright, but. He basically was trying to get me to do a pre-order, but I basically said, come on, GameStop just tweeted out they're going to be back in some store. He said, well, it's not all the stores and it's single digits. I'm like, I'm basically saying, do you have them in stock or not? Like, are you going to get someone in stock or not? We're not in the middle of, uh, you know, holiday season, ho-dunk yeah. Idaho. We're, I'm in San Diego, you know, so like, let's, but anyway, so I'll, I'll check Toys Right. You said in the next day or so. All right, I'll give him a call. All right. Well, thanks, Rich. What do you have going on? Uh, anything you want to promote? Where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Re- uh, Review Tech USA on YouTube, and that's pretty much it. I'm going to be doing some videos today. One actually regarding John Tron, because people have been wanting me to talk about him for like the past two weeks. So you'll finally get my opinion on that. Actually, after I end this, I'm actually going to watch his actual full debate because I want to see what he said with my own ears and eyes. Well, I actually watched it uh, live. I caught the last about half hour. And I'll just say from that last half hour... It doesn't look good from that last hour. Yeah, it, uh, I don't want to see because here's what people said too, and I, I won't I won't keep you on. Is that the guy who he was debating is an excellent debater, so he may have kind of tricked him into saying things he didn't want to say, which I kind of don't believe. So I want to see it myself because I don't believe that either. John Tron's a grown ass man; he knows what he's saying. You know what I'm saying? Sure. It, I don't see that being tricks as much as. Uh, the guy being more prepared and there was from what I saw again I didn't see all two hours but I saw like the last at least half hour but from what I saw he gave John a chance to even clarify certain statements and then John sort of took the shovel and put it deeper into the ground but we'll see what you think when you do it I'll I'll be looking at your response I'm sure Ian will have stuff to say next week uh, about it especially since uh, the ukulele uh, game just dropped him as I guess a voice character from the game after all this. Which I have mixed feelings too. on, too, but I'll explain that in the video, too. Oh, sure. Oh, sure. I, I, they have a right to do that. They absolutely do. It's, it's, it's going to depend upon... I'm not sure if, if John was compensated for that. I mean, if he was compensated and got money for it, and, and then they pulled out of it, whatever, they can do whatever they want. It's, it's their terms. They can do whatever they want. You know, I have no idea what their agreement was with that, with their Kickstarter. I have no idea. If, if it was a sort of thing where, well, you know, you helped us get a certain amount of, of, of money, and then we're going to screw you over. I have no idea. 
So I'm not going to comment on well, that. Well, he, uh, he, had, I have a feeling he probably got compensated because I, I heard that he kind of said it. it's you know I have no ill will towards them. It was their choice. So I bet he got paid per diem for his work or whatever. And you know they're just they kind of okay. Hey, John, we don't want to be have anything to do with this. And you think he kind of mutually said, all right, that's fine. From what I've sure. what I've heard. All right. So another 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 uh, strike against uh, big advertisers coming to you back to you. Too. It sucks. I'm not going to be. I'm not going to be able to hawk. Maestro's beard butter in the future. I'm telling you, I got to get that, man. If it make my my beard is like a Brillo hey. pad. No, I, um, it, it's I've only used it for a few days. It seems like there's a difference. Hydrating beard cream that transforms a dry, unruly beard of any length to a moisturized, manageable beardscape. So there you go. And it hurts also a dessert topping. So I, <laughs> <laughs> I could sit at a table with my beard. So. All right, Rich. It was great talking to you. Uh, you got, guys follow Rich. He's on our View Tech USA, also on Twitter. He's pretty outspoken from time to time. Sometimes you might see a shirtless picture of him you might not want to see. But besides that, <laughs> uh, you know, I think Rich is. Uh, we're not going to agree one hundred percent, but I think overall, I think he's a good guy. Thanks for thanks for being on, Rich. All right, Pat. Thanks for having me on. Thanks again to Rich from Review Tech USA for speaking to me this week. If you enjoyed the Not So Common podcast, please subscribe on your podcast platform of choice iTunes, Google Play, Podbean, Stitcher, or whatever else you use. You can also rate the podcast and leave a comment to help give it a boost. You can also spread the word via social media and let others know how much you enjoyed it. And if you want to help directly support the podcast and me, there's a Patreon you can check out at patreon.com slash Thanks so much, and I'll see you next time.